to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. If you're looking for ministry, we have plenty of it here. I've had seven foster kids in my home. One's now, his life was horrible, and he's a professor at the college. He wrote me he was sick this week, and Debbie and I joined hands and prayed. And we said, God, let him start getting better at this very moment and remind him that it's because we're praying. He wrote me back and said, Pops? You know what, Pops? He calls me Pops. I started getting better after your prayer. I told him we did. He said, you're a good man, Pops. <laughs> right now we're going to pray. Father God, I don't know where my pulpit's at, but think they forgot about me. They just all left. I don't have a pulpit to preach from. Hello, guys. Anybody awake back there? <laughs> I didn't get a pulpit. <laughs> okay, it's coming. That means we're going to have a sermon after all. Forgive me. <laughs> You're forgiven. Thank you. I'm going to watch the time. God's going to say something to you that has the power to change your life if you digest what I'm going to say. It can drastically affect your life on earth. It can drastically affect your marriage, your finances, your peace and well-being. Today can be a defining moment for you if you let it be. The first part of the message is going to be more for probably newer believers, and then the second part is going to be for everybody. Now, let's just cut to the chase. Let's dive in. We're going to look at a chapter that was in your devotions the last two weeks, Matthew chapter 11. Now, John the Baptist in this chapter is in prison for speaking out against sin and standing for righteousness. The world does not want to be confronted about their sin. And when you confront the world about their sin, you're going to get a reaction and not usually is it good. In our Vegas church, our campus there, in the last year, two or three times, I've really got down and preached against sin, and families got up and walked out. They didn't want to hear it. I get really spiritual at funerals I do. If you ask me to do a funeral, I don't do many, but when I do, you get the whole package, okay? I did one Friday. You know, what's happening is I'm outliving a lot of my friends now. I got to go make some new friends. They're all going home. Did a funeral Friday for one of my good, good friends. And during the course of the funeral service, I said, you know what? Some of you today, we have your attention because at funerals, we get your attention. Some of you need to give your life to God. It's the best life you could possibly have. And I want to tell you, because no one's telling you, eternal life is only for those who give their life to God. Do you get it? It's a free gift from God. 
God says that those who give their life to me, I give them the free gift of eternal life. In Hollywood, especially, everybody dies. They're in heaven. They're in heaven. We'll say they're in heaven. No, no, not if they didn't give their life to God. They're not in heaven. Hello, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you don't want to give your life to God, then you'll get your 75 years on earth or whatever, and then you're done, man. You're, you're out. You're gone. You're, whatever awaits you, you, that's what, you, you don't get eternal life with God. Do you get it? That's the truth. The people don't want to hear it. Salvation's a free gift. If you receive it, you get eternal life with it. Amen. Magnificent. As I say that sometimes, I get people that don't like it. They give me a dirty look like, I don't like to hear that. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. I don't think it's fair. Well, then give your life to God, and it'll be plenty fair. Why would people that hate God even want to be in heaven with God? Wouldn't want to be. We live in a culture and a time today when many people do not want to hear the truth. They have been so conditioned by society that they don't even know what sin is. They don't even know what the truth is. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Look at this in another version. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough, but look again because it leads straight to hell. You would think people, especially I tell people funerals, I go, you know, some of you, bless your heart, you're closer to death than you think. Look at those wrinkles on your face and that hair that's turning gray. When somebody says something, you go, pardon me? What part? Hey, your body's giving out. It's breaking. So get right with God. You need to. Look at Proverbs 14, 12, and 13 in the mess. He already did. already did. I'm sorry. In our text today, we're studying. John the Baptist had spoken out against Herod for stealing his brother's wife and living with her in adultery. Now, let's pick up the text. Matthew 11, 2 through 6. While in prison, John heard about the works of Christ, and he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or should we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. Those who are blind receive sight. Those who limp walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed, and those who are deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is any person who does not take offense at me. John was in prison, and I believe he was confused. He was confused because if Jesus was the Messiah coming to set things straight, then why in the daylight was he in prison? Why wasn't Messiah getting him out? With these miracles, why wasn't Jesus performing one and getting him out of prison? Now, take into consideration that John baptized Jesus. He was there when the Spirit, like a dove, descended on Jesus in the river, and he heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He believed in Christ. But at this season of his life, he was having doubts. Why was he having doubts? Listen to me. Because things were not working out the way he thought they should work out. Hello. Anybody been there? Come on. Anybody been there and said, hey, where are you at, God? I don't know anymore. See, 
If you haven't been there, you will be there. Times where just momentarily you say, God, wait, wait, wait. My marriage isn't working out, and I've been praying and praying. My finances aren't working out. I've been praying and praying. Uh, my health, my career is not working out. Where are you, God? Why aren't you helping me? Anybody up there? I don't get it. The psalmist went through some of this. Look at Psalm 75. I'm afflicted and needy. Hurry to me, God. Don't, 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 don't just stay away. I need you now. You're my help. You're my Savior. Lord, don't delay. Where are you at? Next psalm. It says, save me, God, for the waters have threatened my life. I have sunk in deep mud and there's no foothold. I have come into deep waters and a flood overflows me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail while I wait for you, God. Where are you at? What's going on? I don't understand why things are happening the way they're happening. Now, most of our questions like this stem from one of two things. Number one, lack of understanding how the kingdom lifestyle works. Or number two, lack of faith that God is still in control even when he doesn't look like he's in control. Now, there's a parable in the Bible in Matthew 13 about a sower who went out to sow seed. And the seed represents the gospel of Jesus Christ and four types of soil, different types of soil that receive the seed. And the first soil is described this way. Look in Matthew 13, 18 through 19. Listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, say with me, does not understand it. Then the evil one comes, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one seed, or the one sown with the seed beside the road. Now, here we have a person who has the wrong expectations of what a Christian is. They don't understand the whole message. Keep in mind what I've taught for years, that your expectations equal your peace. If you get married and have a lot of problems and don't expect problems, you're not going to have any peace going, what's up with my marriage? But if you understand that marriage is one of the ways that God conforms you, transforms you, I should say. If you understand that, then when problems come, you go, well, you know, I understand this. See, some of you, when your kids are growing up, they got a pain, I got a pain. You don't freak out because you go, growing pains are part of the process. Uh, your career setbacks, you know, very often, if not the majority of the time, you have to have career setbacks before you become successful. You expect it, and so it doesn't freak you out. When you get saved and old friends start deserting you, you shouldn't freak you out. That's part of the curriculum. God's taken some of them out of your life because they'll lead you back into bad things. It's God moving, God working. See, a lot of people come to Christ. They don't understand what Christianity is. Now I'm a Christian. Bad things shouldn't happen to me anymore. So we try to pray away all the bad things. And they don't go away because they weren't meant to go away. They don't get it. See, God, when you come to him and give your life to him, he wants to start changing you. He doesn't want you to stay the way you are. And sometimes he knows that we won't change until he gets our attention. And he gets our attention through problems very often. 
Why is my spouse threatening to leave me? I just don't get it, Pastor Ron. Why is my spouse threatening to leave me? I'm a Christian now. Maybe because you're a jerk. Could be. If you stop being a jerk, maybe your spouse wouldn't want to leave you. You're already on your third marriage. Guess what? what? Guess what the common denominator is in these failed marriages? Look in the mirror. It's you. It's not always them. Pastor Ron, why am I going to jail? Probably because you need an attitude adjustment, maybe. You're sleeping at the wheel. Well, I know I got two DUIs, but I don't think I should go to jail. Ron, would you pray that God would move in the heart of the judge when I go to court on Friday? Yeah, I'll pray. You really want me to pray? Father God, cause the judge to give him at least two weeks in jail, at least three or four. Please. They have had three DUIs, and they need to stop. Let me tell you, you drink and drive, you need to be in jail because you're taking little children's lives out there on the freeway and the road, and we don't want them dead. You're selfish when you do that. If you're going to get drunk, at least stay at home. We love you. We're glad you're at church. But don't drink and drive. Why can't I find a good job? I don't get it. Maybe you're not a good employee. You're talking all the time and not working. You show up late. You go home early. Hello. God wants to change you. When you change you, not only will he probably give you a good job, but you might even get raises and promoted. My daughter's first job, she was 16, and I taught her. I sweetheart, she's working at an ice cream shop. And I said, listen, you don't ever let there be one idle moment when you're on that clock. If there's no customers, I want to see a broom in your hand. I want to see a mop in your hand. I mean, and sweetheart, I'm going to be driving by. (laughs) And I better not see you idle sitting on the counter chatting with the other employee. I don't care what they're doing. You don't do it. Are you hearing me? Good parenting takes work. Now, I did that. She, uh, when she got her driver's license, I said, okay, now, sweetheart, I reserve the right When you tell me you're going to be somewhere to drive by and make sure you're there. We didn't have 360 apps. We didn't have any of that. We didn't have the cell phone. You say, really? Oh, yeah, really. (laughs) Trust is earned. It's not given. So one night they were having a concert somewhere, and I drove through, and her friends were coming out. They said, your dad, your dad's in the parking lot cruising, Tara. Now you don't stay there. After they earn your trust, then you, you don't do that anymore. See, some of you don't have a foggy idea what parenting's about. Then you complain when your kids go astray. Now, when she got to be 17, 18, she already proven her trust to me. I didn't worry. Like one night, she told me, she said, Dad, I'm going to go to the show with my friends tonight. I said, okay, sweetheart. You have a good time, and I hope it's a good show and not a bad one. She says, oh, Dad, you know. And so the next morning, I got up. I said, how'd your night go? She says, uh, it started off bad, Dad, but it got good. I said, what happened, sweetheart? She said, you know, my friends want to go to an R-rated show. And I just didn't feel it was my values that you've taught me. And I said, what would you do? She said, I went over to a PG and sat there myself for about 30 minutes, but they soon joined me. I said, I am so proud of you. So proud of you. Some parents don't get it. You should know where your kids, little kids are at 24-7. They should never be anywhere you don't know where they're at. I'm starting to meddle now. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) 
Train a child up in the way he ought to go, and he'll never depart from that way. Listen to Off the Mountain podcasts. New, new, new uh, podcast Tuesday. We're going to talk about that a little bit. So, we're going to have to be good parents. We're going to have to train our kids. So, back to our point. When you give your life to God, you start on a journey of change. You're giving God permission to start messing with your life when you give your life to Him. Right? You give your life to Him. He might start taking friends away. Uh, He might start using your spouse to speak His words to you. Doggone, I hate it when it happens that way. I hate it when we have a disagreement with my wife. Says, well, you know what? And I go, oh, that's God. And I do not want to apologize. I do not want to receive this right now because I'm mad at her. I don't want to let her know that God's using her. God might allow you to get a DUI, and he might even cause the judge not to give you mercy because he knows you're stubborn and bullheaded, and he says, I'm going to get this thought across real well. He might not take a problem away from you until he knows you've learned the lesson. This is the curriculum. He uses problems to transform us. That's why we're supposed to rejoice in all trials, whether we understand them or not. God wants to shape our character. See, God wants us to be more patient than we are, more loving, more forgiving, more humble. Think about it. How are we going to become patient people? by God leading people to try our patience into our life. That's the way. we got to practice. How are we, we become more loving people? By God's letting unlovable people to come into our life. How are we become more forgiving? By allowing people to offend us so we can practice forgiving. Once you understand this, you'll praise God in trial, saying, I need practice forgiving. God, I can't remember the last time I forgave somebody, so praise God you sent them into my life because now i got to go forgive them. Humble. Humble. God's got to let us practice our humility. Booker T. Washington, I shared this with you years ago, renowned black educator, president of Tuskegee Institute. One day, Booker T. Washington was walking through a very affluent white neighborhood. As he walked down the street, a very rich lady saw him and went out and said, I bet you would like to make some extra money, wouldn't you? I'll give you 40 bucks if you'll chop some firewood for me and bring it on the house. And he says, sure, I'll do that for you. So Booker T. Washington went out and for about an hour or two chopped firewood, carried it all and put it by the fireplace. And when he was about to leave, her teenage daughter recognized him and went, oh my goodness, that's Booker T. Washington. What was my mother thinking? So after he left, she told her mother, do you know who that was? That was Booker T. Washington. The mother was totally embarrassed. Next morning, she couldn't wait. She was at the office first thing in the morning, knocking and saying, I am so sorry. I had no idea. And you know what his response was? He said, you know what? Everybody needs a little manual labor every now and then. And besides, what's a good neighbor for if they can't do a favor for a friend? Wow. Wow, I'm sure this interrupted his day. I'm sure that he had other things to do. 
But I think Booker T. Washington, being a man of wisdom, knew, I need to practice on my humility. Wow. See, every time we go through a trial, the first thing we ought to ask God is, do you want to speak to me in this trial? First thing we do is go back and re-examine our life to see if there's anything missing. For example, if you're going through financial issues, the first thing you ought to do is go, okay, God, am I tithing and giving? Because in Philippians it says, my God will supply all your needs, but in the context is because you're giving. Amen. When you give this church, we give it to orphans, we give it to all kinds of causes. And you think, wait, am I being responsible with my finances? I mean, some of you, I don't get it. See, I, I'm really naive. I thought cigarettes were still like 45 cents a pack. <laughs> I had no clue. You people, if you're smoking, you don't ever have a right to complain about your finances. If you're spending on cancer sticks, I mean, that's up between you and God. But man, alive. You're drinking, you're spending your money in those kinds of ways, gambling. If you're going through health issues, maybe you need to recheck your life out. Am I eating a lot of fast food? If you are, don't be surprised when you get health problems. Am I worrying and stressing out? Diet? You know, God wants you to have a long life, but you must listen to Him. We did a series on God continually saves you if you listen to Him. See, we don't even always know what our needs are. Again, Philippians 4.19 God says, I promise to meet all of your needs. He didn't say desires. You know? God, I need a spouse. I need a spouse. Pray for me. I need a spouse. This is a need. God, it's a need. Maybe not. Maybe you need a purpose before you get a spouse. Because remember, in Genesis, God gave Adam a purpose before he gave him Eve. Why? Because Eve was a helpmate. Why do you need any help if you don't have a kingdom purpose? Why would God go out of his way? I need a new car, I need a new car. Maybe your need isn't a new car. Maybe your need is to be a better employee so they'll move you up the ladder and give you more money and then you can buy the dumb car. I need to grow in Christ. I'm just not growing. Pastor, you, say you see me in Walmart or whatever. You say, I'm not growing in Christ. I know of you, Pastor Ron, but, but would you pray with me? Yeah, I'll pray maybe you find a better church. Listen to me. If you leave here and you're not touched by God, go find another church. Let me tell you, God will anoint the pastors that he's called and chosen if they're holy. If there's nothing coming from the pulpit, just maybe that person isn't holy. God knows all things. You will know if the anointing's on me today. You'll know you won't be able to deny it. God will not give his anointing away to unholy vessels. Won't happen. Go to a church where you're, you're challenged, challenged. Now, the guy in the parable, he didn't get it. Now, in fact, in this parable of the sower, there were three people who didn't get it. We just talked about the first guy. The second guy, he doesn't see the need to be faithful, and he falls away. He doesn't see the need to be faithful to church, to, to daily devotions, to Christian fellowship. This guy, he can't be committed to anything. And through his lack of commitment, he falls away because you need church. Church won't save you, but you need it. You get off track, you come to church, you get back on track. You get off track, it's amazing. The third guy tries to live with a foot in two worlds, and he falls away from God. 
No sense of holiness at all. He gives his life to God, but keeps going to the bar, keeps his old friends. Now, we need to continue to have communication with our old friends because we want to lead them to the Lord, just that they don't take a priority. This person keeps going to parties, keeps watching bad movies, keeps the old cable channels on, and they have no holiness. You can't live with a foot in both worlds. God has a rhema for some of you today. Repent. Repent. Repent, repent, repent. Turn away from your ungodly ways, and then God will start pouring blessings out on you. We've got to change the way we do altar calls. We've got to tell these people that go to the back room to accept the Lord as their Savior, what's up? Now, the seed that falls on good soil produces fruit. It says that soil hears the word and understands the curriculum, understands what they're getting into. They get it. Listen to me. These people on the, with the, this represents the good soil, they understand that they're going to start a journey with God. There will be ups and downs, but God will be working in all the ups and the downs. And it says in the text that the true Christian will produce fruit. Some 100-fold, some 60, some 30, but every true Christian will produce fruit. If you're not producing any fruit, then you're not a real Christian. I'll explain something I explained to you a couple weeks ago, but for the sake of the new people. When you come to church and we preach a message and we go, okay, if you believe Jesus Christ is the Christos, if you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ was sent from heaven as God's only son to give you a message, if you really believe in that and you're willing to trust him, go back to the back and give your life to him. Now, if you really believe he's the Christos, that he's come from heaven, then you're going to do every single thing he says. At least you're going to make an endeavor to do it. If you're here today and say, I'm a Christian, I've never been baptized, I go, seriously? You're saying you're a Christian, you've never been baptized? Christos said, be baptized in water. Just do it. And prove that you weren't lying when you went back to the altar and said, I believe he's the one from heaven with a message. Wow. He said to share your faith. He said to tithe and give. He said to rejoice in trials. He said pray for other people. He said to serve in the kingdom. Now, when you obey him and do these things, you will automatically produce some amount of fruit. Some amount. Different amounts. Fruit will be automatic. God's stories will be there. Now, I need a drum roll. It's going to get big. Back to the text. John is still living in the old covenant. He still doesn't fully understand the spiritual kingdom Jesus is ushering in. And as a result, he has a lot of questions. And Jesus goes on now. He, he, John has sent his disciples to ask questions. And after Jesus answers them and sends the disciples back, in verses 7 through 11, Jesus brags on John. And he says, up until now, there's never been any man on earth born of a woman that's greater than John the Baptist. What? 
You're saying he was better than Abraham, better than Moses? Yeah, seems like what he's saying. But then he says this in verse number 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. It's predicated to rank. Why? Because us in the kingdom, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. He didn't. That's what predicates us and makes us greater in rank. Then in verse 12, oh my goodness, look at this verse. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and the violent people are attacking it. Let's look back at the other verse first. From the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently and the violent take it by force. Now, you got to know what violent means in the Greek. Here it is. Put it up. The word violence means laying hold of something by being aggressive and applying force. Now, listen to me. You're saved by faith through grace. You're saved, and you're going to go to heaven. But if you think you're going to be blessed on this earth in the kingdom of heaven, if you're not aggressive, it isn't going to happen. Passive Christians never have God's stories. Never will a passive Christian have a God story. We are away too timid. We're away too apathetic in the church today. The early church, they were bold because they were being filled with the Holy Spirit regularly. Bold. Paul even told us, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Symbolizing that we'll do a bunch of crazy things when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. People in Jesus' day were radical believers. They were intense with their faith. They tore the roof off the building to get to Jesus. That's pretty radical. They climbed trees to get a better look at Jesus because they knew that he was passing their way that day. They cried out in desperation with no embarrassment. Son of God, heal me. Jesus, over here. Over here, I need a healing, God. Heal me. Disciples say, be quiet. I'm not being quiet. I need you, Jesus. Wow. They pushed people aside just to touch the hem of his garment. They stood in lines, long lines, to get a blessing. They went without food to hear sermons. Paul said, I used my fist to beat my body to make it holy and make it line up with God's will. The Bible says in the Greek, everyone who asks and keeps on asking and doesn't stop asking, they're going to receive. Everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking and refuses to stop seeking, they will eventually find. Every person that knocks and keeps on knocking and doesn't stop knocking, they just keep knocking, they keep knocking, they smile and they keep knocking, those people, a door will be open for them. Proverbs 28 says we're to be bold as a lion. When Abraham interceded for Lot in Sodom, he was not bashful. He said, God, if there's 50 righteous people, will you spare Sodom? God said, yes. He said, okay, God, what, what, what about 45? And he's getting kind of scared going, about 40? God, I might be testing you, but what about 30? What about 20? What about 10? Elijah praying for rain, I've told you before. He prayed seven times before anything happened. He would have prayed a hundred times if he had to because he believed it was God's will. 
The violent take the kingdom by force. We get all of these promises in God's word, yet we don't enforce them. We don't take advantage of them. Friday night, I was sick. I thought I was coming out with COVID because I'd been exposed to people. And I was getting sick, and I went out and got the word, and I said, God, you have given me a message that's burning my heart for Sunday. And your word, your word, God says, that if you ask anything according to your will, you get it. Now, I know I can't pray away every virus, but I need to be there Sunday. I'm asking you boldly and unashamedly, when I wake up in the morning, let me be perfect because I've got to go preach. And I woke up yesterday morning perfect. I don't even have an inch of anything. But I, the word, I got violent with it. When I do a deliverance and we, we get people delivered from demons, you think that isn't violent when we tell those demons to come out and let go of them? You think there isn't violence going on? They're set free, free through violence. Remember I told you a story years ago about a black pastor who had a daughter in the hospital dying. He didn't know she was dying because she didn't want him to know. And one day a nurse did what the girl didn't want her to do. She said, I'm going to call your dad and tell him you're in here. Ah, oh, my dad's crazy. He's a holy roller. So she went and called the dad, and the dad says, put her on the line. I want to talk to her. She said, we can't put her on the line. She's really bad. Put her on the line. She can't talk. Then put the phone up to her ear so she can hear. I remember the story well. It was 30 years ago. He says, sweetheart, I've trained you right. If you want to lay there and die, you go ahead and lay there and die. But if you don't, you get every ounce of energy you have, and you get them to start praising God and giving him glory for taking care of you because I don't believe it's God's will for you to die right now. You're young. And she got healed. Amen. Praise God for that daddy. The anointing turns John into a radical dude. He challenged the status quo. I mean, this dude, man, when he got anointed by God's spirit, he was kind of crazy. I don't think he was always crazy. He was crazy. He had a big meeting going, a big church meeting, and thousands coming. And, and usually you would tell a young pastor not to start the service off this way, but his very first words was, he said, you sons of vipers, who told you to flee the wrath from God? Bring me some fruit with your repentance. Oh, John, did you really say that? Where has our radical edge went? I know I'm loud in my radical edge. You don't have to be like me. I'm loud. I'm, I'm Italian. Come on. Italians are loud. We use our hands. Tie my hands. I wouldn't be able to speak today. I've got to use my hands. Radical can be defined without being loud. In my case, and a couple of my friends' case, we're kind of loud because that's the way we are. But we don't have any passion anymore. Now listen to me. I'm speaking to some people today. You say, I just don't, I'm just not a passionate person. Oh yeah? I've seen your social media. You're sure passionate about making money. Man, you're not bashful at all about me. Man, follow me, and, and you'll get this salary. And follow me, and we'll do this. And man, alive, we can build a kingdom. You're not, you're not, not passionate about that. You're just not passionate about God's kingdom. Let me tell you something. If you put that kind of passion in God's kingdom, he'll take care of the money thing. He'll take care of the money thing. Don't, don't, don't put all your... Your, your attention in the here and now. I mean, how do you get rid of these solar salesmen that knocks at your door? Anybody having these guys? They're, they got my number, man, in my neighborhood. 
Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Good idea. I told the guy, yeah, I'll just keep throwing verses at him. I do it when people get the wrong number. I don't want anybody to get the wrong number. The other day, a guy called me. I said, the gym parking lot, wrong number. And I said, hey, dude, you know, he's, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought you called me. He said, I saw a number appear. I said, I never called you, but then you called me. Anything I can pray about? And he goes, what? As you've got a pastor. So, yeah. But this solar salesman yesterday, day four, yeah, I won't even say where, you've convicted me. I should have prayed with him instead of doing what I did. Uh, I get crazy. My wife's still mad at me because I prayed the spirit of horniness out of single men this morning that I can't wait to get married. And she was mad at me. Are you women glad she gets mad at me? It just slipped out of my mouth before I could catch it. It just went, phew, gone now, nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Cynics are hostile to the truth. Cynics, there might be some listening to me today, you refuse to think that anything's that good. You're cynical. And we talk about abundant life that's the greatest thing you'll ever experience. Automatically, your subconscious defense system comes into play. Nothing's that good. That's ah, a bunch of baloney. Can't be that good. Let me tell you something. I never dreamed that I could have this walk with God. Pastor Tom Touchstone keeps telling me, Pastor, what you taught us works. Tom continually says that. Pastor, what you taught us works. What you taught us works. Say with me, it works. Why do we have some of the roughest people in Bakersfield come to this campus over here? Because they found out that they, there's something better than what they're finding in the world. But you have to give all your life to God. Some of you go, well, I've never, it doesn't work in my life. You've never given your whole life surrender to God. When you give it all to Him, you watch what happens. Wake up. Our passion has went to sleep. When I was told I was going to die again, I repeated it a hundred times a week. Ron Vietti shall not die, but he shall live that he might proclaim the works of the Lord. Amen. I'd walk. Ron Vietti shall not die. Doctors, listen. He shall not die. He shall live until the Lord's work for him is done on this earth. Amen. I had to get aggressive. The violent take it by force. Look at Psalm 63, and the worship band's going to be coming out. That means I'm really through. Psalm 63, 1 through 4. Psalm 63, 1 through 4. God, you're my God. I can't get enough of you. I worked up such hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I'm really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. I bless you every time I take a breath. And it says, my arms wave like banners of praise to you. That's almost my brother, man. Because I feel like he does. I know. It's hard to wrap your mind around the things I'm saying today. 
I know that. When we talk about heaven, we have nothing to relate it to. It's, it's hard to wrap our brain around that. Nevertheless, it's true. When we talk about, you know, this radical life, I know sometimes you don't know what to compare it to. But you know if you're an apathetic Christian today, or you know if you're one that claims the promises of God and you have some passion in your life. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to end with a praise song. And we're going to give praise to God. But before we do, if there's anybody in the house that says, Ron, I've never surrendered my whole life to God. I always keep some of it back. If you do that, you'll never experience what I'm talking about. Oh, you'll go to heaven if you believe in Jesus. But you'll never have all these God stories on earth. God doesn't want 80% of your life, 90%, not even 95 What's well, 100%? Does that mean we'll never fall? No, I fall all the time. I have to ask God to forgive me. Constant forgiveness. I'm not perfect, but I'm sincere. And when God shows me my sin, I confess. And I might fall 10 times to it. And I say, God, you got to burn this out of me because I don't want to be doing this, God. Please. You know, it's just sincerity. It's laying it all on the line. It's not hard. But it takes everything. Today, if, you, if you've never really fully surrendered your life to God, I'm not going to give you an easy way out. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and say, I want, I, want to, I want to totally give my life to God today. Just stand to your feet, bold, courageous. And say, I don't care what people think. God bless you. One, two, three, four. They're starting to stand. Keep standing. Keep standing. The wave's going this way. It started over here. It's going this way. It's moving this way. Don't be embarrassed. The Bible says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. So stand and say, I have never sold, totally sold out, and I'm doing it today. Stand. The, the wave's got to go this way. It's starting over here. It's in the back. It's happening. Now, if you want to stand up and become a recipient of this prayer, do it right now. But we're all going to pray with these standing. Let's pray. Father God. In Jesus' name, today I totally surrender my life to you. Holy Spirit, come. Live in my body. Give me the strength I need to follow you. I'll go to church, and I'll pray and read my Bible, and I'll obey, and I'll leave the rest up to you. Thank you for receiving me. I'm now God's son and daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's sing this last song, and then you're dismissed. God bless. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org.